Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Curious Recruiter, um, your podcast for all things talent acquisition recruiting, uh, whether you're a recruiter or a candidate. And actually, I'd like to open up this first episode to a topic that I'm very, very passionate about and that I think um, is a great opener because it's a topic that's going to help both um, you guys in recruiting, but also if you are listening in as a candidate, as a job seeker, uh, or simply someone who wants to know kind of the inner workings of uh, recruiters in uh, big corporate companies nowadays, then this is going to be great, uh, basically for either of you guys. Um, today, we are going to talk about interviewing and not just any kind of interviewing but actually behavioral interviewing so behavioral interviewing we'll get to that in a second to what that actually means but it is let's say uh, the type of interviewing that most companies these days are using as opposed to more archaic I'm going to say um, uh, types of interviewing uh, there are lots of other interview types that you might have heard of like uh, those sort of scratch the surface, icebreaker questions, riddles, brain teasers. Um, a lot of companies might actually use them still, but um, I'm going to say safely that uh, if you are looking to apply to anything that is more startup-y, more recent, not um, banking, financial, or those kinds of things, you are probably at the right address here because we're going to be talking about behavioral interviewing, which is what uh, most of these companies I mentioned before are using today. Um, so basically, um, let's talk about what behavioral interviewing actually is. So behavioral interviewing, the best way to define it is to explain what it's not. As I said, it's not scratch the surface question, which basically means um, any question like, um, tell me about yourself. I'm sure everyone has had this question before. Uh, it's a great icebreaker question, but in the end, it doesn't really give you an indication of what the person does. Because if you were to ask me today, uh, you know, to describe myself, I would say, well, I'm a recruiter, I'm a senior recruiter at, at Facebook. Um, but that doesn't give me any idea of how many roles I close. Uh, that doesn't give you any idea of what remit I hire with. Of course, you can always uh, dig into the subject matter, uh, I suppose. Uh, if you're a good recruiter, definitely you would do this. But in the end, it'll, it's a very, very vague question. It, it really doesn't, it's not focused on anything specific. It's a good test, of course, uh, first of all, to break the ice, but also to understand, okay, what is, what is this person actually going to think this question was about what do they think they will need to focus on but it's it's a scratch the surface question right so you're not going to get a lot of information um, and certainly if your goal is to interview a candidate and then come back to your hiring manager and say yeah I want to move forward with this candidate uh, and, and they ask you why well obviously the, the answer that this candidate will have given you is not going to give you enough meat to really structure something amazing, tell an amazing story around this candidate and their achievements or uh, how well they could actually, um, you know, do in, in the environment that you'd like to hire them into. Also, um, behavioral interviewing is not riddles or brain teasers. Uh, some companies like to use those, uh, say, for example, you know, why are manhole covers round or how many golf balls does it take to fill up a, uh, 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 I don't know, a Boeing jet? 
So those questions, again, might give you an indication of how a candidate things or how they approach a problem uh, and some of them have actual answers so there's literally books that will give you the the, the answer to specific uh, riddles or brain teasers or actually how to approach the problem uh, to get to a vaguely correct answer but in the end um, as you can tell it's all very hypothetical it's not really applied I mean you know what do you care about how many baseball uh, bats it takes to, I don't know. <laughs> so basically what I'm trying to say, it's it's hypothetical. And that's why um, behavioral interviewing is also not hypothetical questions. If you were going to interview, say, uh, a personal assistant because your director is looking for someone to take care of, I don't know, travel arrangements, whatever, so looking for a PA. And of course, because you're a good recruiter, you're finding a candidate that you're willing to interview. And uh, during the interview, you would ask that candidate, um, so what would you do if there was a huge change of plans? Uh, your directors, so basically your managers, uh, uh, plane flight got canceled. And uh, yeah, but there's a series of events that, uh, that, this, uh, that this director would have had to attend. What would you do? And there's something essentially wrong with this question. And it's the what would you do? Because it, you know, you can sit here and lie to someone's face, uh, strictly speaking, and say, oh yeah, sure, I would do this and I would call this person and that person, but you can't even get to these details. But in order, because in order to give those details, you'd have to make up a whole story. We're talking hypothetical. This is not an indicator, uh, you know, or a question like, uh, what would you do if you were overworked and uh, had a lot of things on your desk, a lot of different projects to work on? How would you prioritize? How does one even answer this question, or at least in a way that makes sense? Yes, you can say, oh, I would, of course, work on what's high priority and whatnot, and then I would take care of something else. This is, of course, the, let's say, the answer that sounds the most, um, the most likely, but again, um, it's, it's, you're going to see why behavioral interviewing makes a lot more sense, because in the end, uh, you don't, we don't want you to make up something. We don't want you to just spit out. Uh, or you as a recruiter don't want the candidate to just spit out whatever sounds like it should be the right answer, but you want them to show that they actually demonstrated the right behavior in the past. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is really what behavioral interviewing is about. It's understanding what the candidate has done in the past. So right now I am addressing um, all the recruiters, basically the sourcers or the interviewers that would like to know how to best use behavioral interviewing. Now, if you're listening in as a candidate uh, that is quite frankly interested on how to pass a behavioral interview, then um, first of all, don't worry. I'll give uh, I'll give you guys some tips, of course, on how to uh, go through behavioral interviews as a candidate, but. Please don't stop listening in right now because understanding uh, what behavioral interviewing is for the recruiter will, of course, give you as a candidate the, the upper hand, the advantage to understand what it is that we recruiters want from candidates at this specific stage of the, the interview and when we're using those specific types of questions. So without further ado, it's really important to now define what is behavioral interviewing. I think we kind of touched on it. It is a very objective way of getting information from a candidate to understand what they have done in the past by asking a very specific type of question um, that is not scratch the surface question, that is not a hypothetical question or a brain teaser. It's literally a question that starts with give me an example of or 
Tell me about a time when. Now, usually, if you are a good recruiter, obviously, uh, your questions are going to be very much um, tailored to the type of profile that you're interviewing. Now, let's say, for example, you're interviewing a recruiter and you want this recruiter to be able to work on specific, you know, lots of different requisitions at the same time, uh, requisitions that are very different one um, from another, uh, requisitions across countries and with very difficult uh, requirements and difficult hiring managers, okay, to top it off, like the whole, the whole, uh, the whole thing, the whole shebang. So um, you're going to want to incorporate all of these elements uh, in your different behavioral questions okay you're not gonna just ask a, a, a generic behavioral question like uh, tell me about a time when you had to work on a difficult project no um, the beauty of behavioral interviewing if you do it well is that it will give you very uh, specific answers that will really give you indications of uh, whether or not the candidate is up to a specific challenge in which case here uh, if I ask the question uh, tell me about a time you were working on a requisition that you've never worked before with a particularly difficult hiring manager uh, where you had uh, to, to fill the position very, very quickly and get up to speed also on this new uh, domain that you've never had then this question is going to tell you exactly whether your candidate is up for the challenging role that, that you want to offer him or not, okay? So um, that that is basically the idea. So if you are a recruiter uh, and you're working in a company um, that doesn't have um, focus areas, like most companies call them, Google, Amazon, Facebook, then um, take ownership and look at all of your um, roles and, and, and job descriptions and understand what are the types of behavioral questions you could be asking. Look at what's really important in this role and um, just build a set of questions around it. But if you thought that this was only around building the appropriate questions that all start with tell me about a time when or give me an example of, then, you know, that's that's not what behavioral interviewing is all about. Uh, there's way more behind it. And um, basically what I'd like to talk to you next is what to do with the answers that you're getting back from candidates. Uh, and actually there is a, a whole segment um, that I'd like to open now, which is the segment of uh, uh, SBI or uh, STAR interviewing. And basically SBI uh, and STAR respectively stand for Situation, Behavior, Impact, and Situation, Task, action and result so depending on which school you prefer i guess let's start or let's use sbi here because it's kind of the most straightforward um, but it's basically basically understanding if the candidate uh, can kind of tick the boxes of explaining what is uh, what was the situation, what was the behavior, and uh, what was the impact of what they did uh, in that specific example that, that, they're, that they're portraying. So when I first started out interviewing using this, this model, um, I basically had a cheat sheet in front of me, um, which I would use a new one for each and every candidate and, and basically for each and every uh, uh, question that I would ask, where it would say S, B, and I and I would try to fill this out with all of the with all of the necessary information so that I would make sure that the candidate gave me all that I needed in order to make a, a good decision around whether or not his response was was a good one or or a mediocre one. So um, basically what do you want to look for in situation 
in uh, in behavior and impact so in this situation you want to um, really get a good understanding from the candidate of course uh, what occurred when it happened why it was important um, really important to understand this because um, this is basically the situation is basically the one thing that candidates like to leave out the most uh, if you ask a question a behavioral question oftentimes candidates are going to say oh yeah yeah, yeah I've got an example uh, yeah I can tell you about that time when I had to recruit this director uh, and it was a really tricky search but after six months I found a finance director uh, exactly the way that my hiring manager wanted oh that that sounds great okay but hmm maybe it wasn't actually quite difficult for this person what was the situation was it a, a role that was hard to fill was it a role that had really difficult requirements or uh you know was it a talent pool that was really you know uh not big and you had to be very very uh you had to go down very niche paths to find someone so you see the candidate here and and just answering the 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 problem or the question is moving straight to the impact yep i hired someone it was a great hire hiring manager loved it but yeah tell me about your struggle right <laughs> you want the candidate to tell you about why this example was an example that they really feel excited about that they feel was a big achievement uh likely because it was actually not such a such a difficult task so um basically you know if you don't get that uh, situation aspect um, let the candidate or interrupt the candidate of course with all the courtesy uh, that that you're used to using but ask them so hold on for a second uh, what was the scope of the project what were the challenges here um, why why do you see this as an achievement and why was it particularly important for your company to hire uh, this finance director okay so uh, it's, it's really important that you understand why they chose this story this example to illustrate uh, the specific accomplishment, right? Because, it, it, you know, sometimes you'd be surprised at the answer you get from there. So basically, what was the situation? When did this occur? Also super important. Oh, I cannot underline enough how important that is. So if someone gives you an example from, say, five, ten years ago, that's not a good indicator because um, especially if you're recruiting for a company that is relatively fast moving like most companies, um, you will want a recent example, all right? Or maybe this candidate doesn't actually have any recent examples, which would be uh, a little bit suspicious, right? So be sure to cover the situation box, if you will, um, because that box is usually a box that that remains a little bit, um, you know, in, in the dark because um, candidates are is very quick um, to jump to the kind of what they did and what was the impact of so the behavior impact um, kind of uh, uh, boxes and I keep saying boxes because for me it's pretty much a box ticking exercise as I said I had my column with SBI and I was taking notes uh, in in the corresponding section you know did I have enough uh, meat on the S section on the on the situation section did I have enough meat on behavior and then an impact really really important it's a visual exercise for me but um, it comes very naturally later to kind of uh, uh, put all these pieces together and to see where you need to dig a little bit more 
So moving on, you've got the idea around what the situation was, what the task was, and um, then you want to uh, uh, you want to talk about the action. Okay, what what did this candidate actually have to do in order to get to the result that they achieved, right? And more importantly, what did they personally own and how did they do it? It's okay, especially if you have uh, a candidate that's more on the junior end that they would not be hundred uh, percent you know autonomous. But it's important to understand what they drove it's okay if someone else was involved and it's actually good to understand who that was was it a mentor was it a coach was it someone else actually doing all the work maybe a peer um, always good because you'd be surprised sometimes what comes up if you do a little bit of digging um, so really some some standard questions you want to ask here is uh, you know were you the key driver the project owner what was your biggest contribution my favorite question always is so what wouldn't have happened without you? What is the, the one thing that you brought to the table that, you know, would have made or, or, or broken this, uh, this project, okay? And um, so this is, I guess, pretty straightforward on the action or in the behavior side now, the impact. So we already know in, in the example that I gave that the candidate hired uh, a finance director. Amazing, great. But how did you, uh, uh, how else can you measure the impact? So that last section, that result, how do you measure the success for this project? Uh, because for example, if you're talking about recruiting, uh, oftentimes time to hire is a really important factor. So if this candidate gives you a great situation, a great behavior, and then suddenly you're like, okay, what's your time to hire? And the candidate tells you, oh, it took me a year and a half to hire this finance director. Well, you would probably look at this differently, right? You would say, okay, right. Um, for us, our time to hire is way lower. So were you actually doing a lot of work? or uh, and, and not really succeeding or was it really difficult and it's it's okay for you to probe we'll get that to a second uh, in a second but you will understand that getting those metrics is really important because sometimes as I said you would be surprised other um, ways to measure the success of a project would be um, metrics like I don't know cost savings uh, size scale uh, percentage change, year-on-year -year improvement. This is all very financy here. Uh, you know, implementation. How long did it take? Time saved. Impact on the customer. Impact on the team. Uh, quality improvement. So, really understanding what was the starting point, point A, and what was the end point, point B, and what improvements have been made. Okay, uh, so really important also that you cover this in uh, uh, thoroughly. And so basically, um, if you have time in your interview, you don't have to do it, but I personally like to do it, especially when I take my time for executive interviews, when I'm interviewing senior candidates, and that is probing and challenging. So I would literally go and ask questions like, oh, that's interesting. So why did you choose to, to go down that route? Or why did you choose to focus on, on those results as opposed to other results? Um, or even questions like, um, you know, uh, well, okay, this was, this was two years ago. What would you have done differently? Or how do you think that this action actually worked for you? Um, how are you looking at it now, now that time has passed? I've literally sat uh, with candidates and I was 
you know, borderline mean just saying, uh, okay, is, is that, you know, what made you think that this was the right course of action? Oh gosh. Um, but in the end, you just, um, if you ask this question with a lot of curiosity and God knows it, I did at the time, uh, uh, probe, challenge a little bit. It's, it's really, really interesting. Again, you would be surprised what kind of stuff comes out there, uh, both good and, and of course bad. And, and you know, when the bad stuff comes out, it also, it's also a good way for you to filter out a candidate. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, but this is, this is great. I can just make something up. Okay. Yes, that's true. If you are listening as a candidate and you're thinking, oh, great, I'm just going to look up examples of behavioral questions. I'm going to, to, uh, uh, fabricate a fictitious example, uh, and go through everything you can try. But it's really hard because if you're faced with a good recruiter that does um, that does good behavioral interviewing, that is not afraid to challenge and to probe, the story will not stand. It will not work. I've been I've been sitting in interviews with candidates, literally going like, uh, "Wait, you told me this two minutes ago, and now suddenly it's that. Hang on, which metric are you talking about? Are you sure?" And you just felt that this was not that there was something that was kind of a. a spun up here it, it was not it, it was not actually something that happened and rather something that was made up um so yeah listen guys this is uh recruiting is is some form of of kind of investigation work and you can uh and you can tell if you really really interview in the right way you can tell when a candidate is lying and it takes some practice but uh this is a great tool the the more you dig uh the better it is and it might sound like you're going to have to waste tons and tons of time on each question and that is true it is something if you do it well that will take a lot of time but it's worth it um i would for i would perhaps in um in each interview go through one or two behavioral questions but really exhaust them because in one question you can really pick up on a lot of things uh you can in one question um really challenge and probe uh, on of, of course how they did on their actual core job or core work but also how they worked cross-functionally um, how they worked with the customer how they you know lots of different things can be covered if you do a good job and, and usually it, you come out with quite a lot of meat to be able to to really defend your candidate if you want them to move um, to the next stage so uh, yeah that's uh, that's that that would be my advice to really probe and challenge when you can not always do we have the time to do that um, but it's certainly recommended. So before I move on to the um, candidate side of behavioral interviewing to kind of give you the tips and tricks on how to on how to ace a behavioral interviewer as a candidate, I'd like to give the recruiters out there, the interviewers out there, uh, two more tips for something that is very, very common. Um, so the first thing is, what if my candidate doesn't actually um, have an example that they can come up with? Um, because yes, behavioral questions oftentimes um you know have a tendency to be very specific so if you if you're interviewing junior people for example junior candidates that uh, don't have enough work experience to really um uh to really kind of give an example that is relevant uh just you know you have to put the candidate at ease and say listen this is the type of thing that is really important in this role um for the company so that's the sort of uh, spirit that we're looking for so if you can't come up with exactly 
exactly an example like this. Maybe uh, uh, find something that is that is a kind of along those lines of, of dealing with uh, multiple stakeholders. So um, also don't. Th this is where kind of uh, you have to draw the line sometimes with specific candidates, especially the the junior ones. You'll you'll want to step back a little if they don't give you the the answer right away. Uh, sometimes I've had many candidates freeze because they did not expect this question and they did not have an example despite being super prepared they just did not because they were too they were too inexperienced right um just step back and say look fine let's let's move on to something else it's all right uh, and maybe something will come up uh so you know do give them the benefit of the doubt of course if you're talking um to a to a senior individual then you know uh, try to be comfortable with the blank until they come up with the with the right question. But uh, yeah, here I would be a little bit more suspicious if they couldn't come up with something, or maybe they don't because they haven't worked in a in a specific environment like that. And again, uh, it's up to you to understand whether or not this ultimately is a good candidate, right? And and that's going to be uh, that's going to be successful with with your company and and the company culture, or if this is something that can be uh, taught ultimately, uh, and you see a great other quality in this candidate so um yeah that was the first thing so what do you do when the candidate you know, can't for the life of him or her uh come up with uh, with an example but there's another question um there's another thing and that's the topic of um let's say negative examples so um what we did not cover in the beginning is that oftentimes uh it's really good to ask uh for examples of of uh, situations that did not work out as planned that's actually a great question i like to ask but when you ask those questions you have to also put the candidate at ease at ease sorry and you have to say uh listen i am not looking to shame you or i'm not looking to understand how badly you failed what i'm trying to understand is how you learned from this example what you would do differently today that's that's a really great probing question at the end of this example uh, or at the end of any kind of negative or not so successful example you want to understand uh the the candidate's ability to self-reflect and and be able to uh to think about um what went wrong and how they incorporated any learnings uh into into whatever they do um or did moving forward so uh, uh do not shy away from from negative connotationed behavioral question um negatively connoted Anyway, do not shy away from <laughs> behavioral questions with negative connotation. It is very much encouraged, but of course, put the candidate at ease. It's okay to talk about failures if you're at least if your company culture permits it. I'm I'm hoping that most companies these days, you know, are open to understanding how people failed in the past and uh, and learn from their failures. So um, yeah, that's pretty much um, the spiel from the recruiter state, uh, facing side. I will be super happy uh, to uh, link to a couple of resources actually on uh, on the website, thecuriousrecruiter.com, um, including a little uh, the little star cheat sheet that I mentioned, which I still think is a great resource. And I will try, don't quote me on this, I will try to compile a list of behavioral questions um, with a specific focus areas. And 
I'm sure that both of these documents will be super, super helpful resources also for um, candidates who are preparing to an interview that um, hopefully their recruiter will have told them is going to be of behavioral nature. Actually, I as a recruiter am really keen on doing a lot of candidate prep, as we call it. Uh, I did that. It's, it's actually part of the company culture at, at Amazon to do a good company prep. Um, but also at Facebook, where I currently work, um, it's even more uh, candidate oriented in a sense that we do a lot of preparation and we give candidates a lot of tips and tricks. They are not let, um, they're not left sitting in the dark. They know they're going to have behavioral interviews and they actually even know their focus areas, which is great. So that takes a lot of pressure off. So um, if you are in a situation like that where your recruiter has given you kind of these uh, insights, then that's amazing. So you know what to do basically just take those focus areas try and figure out what could be the question sometimes even your recruiter will give you the you know the the general idea of what the questions could sound like but that's not a problem if you if you don't have the focus areas even you can figure that out take the job description for the role uh, look at at what you would say reading through the job description are the four or five top um, requirements for the role and, and just start building uh, mock questions around that. You see that the candidate is going to be working cross-functionally. Um, yeah, so uh, probably um, cross-functional working or cross-functional partnershiping is going to be a super important area. Um, and there you go. Sit down and think about all of the examples that you have uh, that could really illustrate how well you've mastered the task of cross-functional, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, multi partner uh, uh, partnership. Yeah. Um, and uh, do your own star or SBI worksheet. Uh, you own this. I mean, uh, it's it's not it's not a secret. You can go ahead and, and have your own little story ready with all the metrics, with all the things. Of course, no one, uh, I think, should go into an interview with, with their own little cheat sheet and looking at the metrics and everything. That's not how it works. Um, just do your, uh, uh, do your preparation. Just make sure that the details are all fresh in your head. The what, the when, and the why, of course, in terms of describing the situation, also what you did, why it was important that you did this, um, you know, did you do it alone? What, again, wouldn't have happened without you? Um, what were you the key driver for? What were the super challenging obstacles? Uh, and that's something I like to tell um, my candidates a lot. Uh, we want to know not about how you do your day-to-day -day work, the, 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 the boring, trivial stuff. We want to know when you know, the going gets tough when you're working on something super tough. How do you deal with that? You know, tell us about the most painful, like uh, most painful thing that you did and how many obstacles you had to overcome because we want to see, you know, come out of this with a cape basically. And then how, you know, wearing your superhero cape and, and, and just telling us everything about how you managed to kind of, uh, you know, save children's life. I guess. No, that's not the idea, but you get the point. We, we want um, the candidates, or I at least want my candidates to focus on real challenges, real achievements, real things that they're proud of. This is not a bragging exercise. This is really, um, you know, this is really important for us to understand uh, how they would act when the going gets tough, when the proverbial shit hits the fan right? Uh, because if they can do it, uh, if they've done it before, they can certainly do it again. And you'll see also just what the strength and potential is for this candidate.
Okay, um, so sorry, going back to addressing you guys as candidates, uh, again, um, it's not a bragging exercise, but yeah, feel free to uh, feel free to, uh, uh, to to tell us about your achievements. It's not bragging as long as the facts are there. Okay, so get your story straight, get your facts straight, all the metrics that you'll find in that star um, cheat sheet that I, I just mentioned. Um, just do it. Just um, uh, just put it all out there. Um, memorize it ahead of your interview and spit it out. And also be um, conscious that if you're faced with a good recruiter or even anyone in the business, especially people from the business, because, you know, if you're a finance person and you're being interviewed by a recruiter, unless that's, that recruiter used to work in finance, they're probably not going to be able to get into your plate, right? With with financial questions or or kind of go and, and challenge some of the decisions that you made, right? Uh, but if you are faced with someone from the business who does the exact th same thing that you do, they might come up with some pretty interesting probing and challenging questions. So try to think what could be the curveball that a recruiter could throw at you okay and and if you do that then then you'll be prepared okay so um yeah i guess that's it just to recap i think a, a lot of the tips and tricks around how to deal with behavioral interviews you might have already gotten from listening to, to the first part of this podcast uh that was pretty much directed to the recruiters uh, because now you know how recruiters are using this and what to expect okay so um really again uh try to ask your recruiter for focus areas if if there are any um also um very importantly if if you want if you're one of these people that like to be prepared um, and if you have the luxury to um, to have the interview set up uh, with who's going to interview you ask for the name do your research on LinkedIn understand what they do if uh, you're interviewing for a finance position and uh, and the person that's interviewing you is HR then it's probably not going to be such a technical interview but if the interview is going to be with someone from finance then yeah it's probably going to be a lot more technical so prepare relevant examples okay prepare the most technical examples that you can because in those examples you can showcase not just your skill set and that's the great thing about behavioral interviewing because ultimately it's behavioral so you understand how a person ticks uh, how a person is is, is um, using their soft skills but also um, how do they apply their soft skills uh, to their day-to-day -day job and, and to their functional skill set right? So that's what you want to demonstrate. Uh, if, if you're talking to someone who is in that function that you're interviewing for, be sure to lay it on thick on a functional skill set on, on those technical things. Uh, and, you know, go into as much detail as possible. Of course, there's always a fine line between too much detail and not enough. And by the way, sometimes recruiters will have to learn how to cut candidates short. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how to explain that basically yeah the candidates have to make sure that detail is there but also in a way that I'd say answering a question shouldn't you know all the story all the SBI elements put together probably shouldn't be longer than five minutes which if you know five minutes is a very long time and if you talk as fast as I do then definitely you can you can you can literally do and say a lot of things in five minutes 
Okay, so I guess we've reached um, the end of this first episode, which is all about behavioral interviewing. So what did we learn today? <laughs> Basically, we learned that uh, there are lots of different interviewing techniques out there. Um, some of them are relevant depending on, on the type of profile that you hire for. I'm not saying that brain teasers or riddles are bad. I'm not saying that scratch the surface questions are bad. They're really great for icebreakers. But it is important to mention that behavioral interviewing questions are just really going to give you a very substantiated way of of understanding the candidate's potential right we've also learned that it's not just about asking the right questions which as a good recruiter you should have prepared according to the job description and the criteria that are important for uh, you know whoever gets the job in the end uh, but it also relates a lot to how um, to what information is gathered as you you examine the candidate's response and then oftentimes if you're using that that SBI or the star chart or method um, or process whichever you want to call it that sometimes you also have to help the candidate along the way uh, and perhaps sometimes you know reorient them to uh, a specific part that they hadn't quite covered because it's not going to come natural for any candidate especially not someone that hasn't listened to this podcast um, that to, to really use that same structure and specifically it's okay if a candidate does not go SBI but does maybe IB and never S wow that's a really bad acronym if uh, if there's any doctors out here um, but anyway um, yeah so uh, it's 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 not just about the question it's about what you do with the information uh, that is given to you and how bad or <laughs> how intensely you dig and you probe and you challenge to get to understand how your candidate takes. Um, yeah, I hope this was helpful, guys. Uh, I'll be happy to put all of the resources up on thecuriousrecruiter.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts as candidates, as recruiters, as interviewers around behavioral interviewing. Are you using it? Uh, are you kind of using it? Maybe combination of different things. Uh, has it worked out for you? Um, anything you want to shoot across, please do. I'd be happy to hear and to comment and to perhaps reopen that um, subject at a later time. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I will catch you at the next episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>